Hi, I'm Lawrence. And I'm Karen Tam, and we are the co-hosts of Inside the Champion's Mind. I'm super excited. Are we going shopping? No, not really. We are going to be in Melbourne, though. For shopping? No, we're not going to be shopping. We're going to be at the Wellness Summit, September 10th and 11th at the Melbourne Convention Center. That's pretty exciting. It is exciting because it's your first time going to be there. It is. And along with a whole bunch of other people, too. But even though, whether they're your first time or your second time or third time, you definitely want to come out because it's the last time we're going to do it in Melbourne. That's awesome. So you can still register. You can still register. Get in. There's also going to be myself, Damien, Brett, and along with Upper Chat Girls, Marcus Pierce, Joe Witten, Kale Brock, Steph Loeb, the Mary Make Sister, and Tim Robards. So to register, can they save any money? Yes, they can. And I like saving money. Yes, so you can go shopping. Go shopping. There we go. (laughs) So to register and receive $100 off your ticket, go to thewellnesssummit.com and enter the code FIRSTSUMMIT16. That's FIRSTSUMMIT16. Go to thewellnesssummit.com. We'll see you there. Shopping. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm without Damien and Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence is at his daughter's sports day. What a great reason to not be on the podcast. And Damien has just flown back in from overseas, from San Francisco, where he's been sharing his his wisdom with the Americans over there. So you've just got me today, but I've got a great guest to make up for it. She's a physician, a surgeon, a health coach, a yoga teacher, an anatomy instructor, an author, and an overall health and wellness expert. She's known as the holistic podiatrist of Southern California. She combines Eastern and Western medicine medicine to create individualized health and wellness plans for her for her clients. She maintains a private medical practice providing exceptional care while at the same time studying holistic medicine, Ayurveda, yoga, Reiki, reflexology and acupressure. So as you can see this is going to be a really fascinating interview with heaps of topics to cover. So without further ado, welcome to the show Dr. Michelle Summers Colon. Hi Dr. Brett, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. This is going to be a fun chat today. I'm excited. I've got you all to myself. I can ask all the questions I want. So this is going to be great. Um, Michelle, you've got a really unique bio there. I mean, you've got so many different strings to your bow. So I'm fascinated about how you got into uh, health and how you got into medicine or, or podiatry in the first place. Where did this all start for you? Well, it started pretty young. At a pretty young age, I always knew I wanted to go into medicine and I wanted to be a doctor. I wasn't sure which type of doctor I wanted to be until I was in college and got to spend some time with some podiatrists and shadowed them and discovered that this was the field I wanted to be in. So went straight into that field and straight through college, everything was going along pretty well. Um, Right now, I've been in my private practice for 19 years, believe it or not. So, um, so it's been a pretty, pretty good um, ride there. But I did start incorporating um, Eastern medicine and holistic medicine into my practice about, well, it started about 10 years ago when I had my own health crisis kind of happen to me. And I was having a lot of issues with my GI system and some low back pain. And I was going to my primary care and to some specialists and I wasn't really getting any answers. And so I did some of my own research and found some different types of holistic medicine that sounded like they could be of help to me. And that's when I found Ayurveda 
and I started studying Ayurveda. I started getting healthy again, and I started doing yoga. My back pain went away, and that's how it really healed me. And at that point, I decided that I needed to teach this to my patients, and I needed to incorporate it into my practice. I started doing that. And then I decided that I needed to teach it to more people. So I got certified in yoga and studied more Ayurveda and started teaching the anatomy section to a lot of the yoga training students and started teaching anatomy at the college. And it just kind of grew from there. So I started coaching more clients online and in groups. And that's where I'm at today. Wow, it's an amazing journey and it's such a common one. You know, so many people who have moved into a more alternative path have had their own personal journey and their own personal story that sort of pushed them in that direction. So you describe yourself as a holistic podiatrist, Michelle, and I'm, I'm fascinated to hear about what your meaning of that is because people think of podiatry as being quite a, you know, a specialist field really focusing on the feet, whereas obviously holistic is implying we're really looking at the whole body and the whole system. So can you describe to us what a holistic podiatrist does and how that's different from perhaps a mainstream? stream podiatrist yeah well as you know I was I was trained in surgery um, so my practice for many years was a pretty much standard podiatry practice where I did a lot of surgeries a lot of diabetic patients and a lot of kids and a lot of athletes um, when I started incorporating the holistic piece into my practice I started working with patients on a deeper level where I would really find out more about, you know, their diet and their lifestyle and what is it that's really at the root cause of a lot of these problems that they were having, like diabetes and the weight and the inflammation. And a lot of them would come into me saying their feet hurt, but when I would ask them further questions, they would say, well, their whole body hurts and mm. they're not really getting better. They're just taking um, anti-inflammatories, but they're still in pain. And so really getting down to um, dietary issues and lifestyle issues. So it's fascinating when you start talking to people and you spend more time with them, what is really going on in their lives that's bringing about all these different pains. And sometimes they do show up in the feet first. And so that's why I get a lot of these patients. Yeah. And so were you always, did you always have an interest in alternative health in Eastern medicine or was that just something that was purely driven by your own health crisis? Yeah, that was driven by my own health crisis um, because I was just really not getting any answers and I thought I was going to the best specialists in the area. And, you know, at one point I was told that um, I had Crohn's disease hmm. and um, I was put on a strict diet for about six months. And I did, I did actually get a little bit better, but when it came down to it, I didn't have Crohn's disease. So, um, you know, that's a very severe disease, which most of us know about that could require surgery and all these kinds of things. So mm. it was very scary for me at that time. And, and it was, that's really what kind of pushed me over the edge when that happened. And did that cause you to reflect on your career to that point? Like as in how you'd been helping people and the sort of advice and the sort of stuff you've been doing with people? Um, did you sort of look back and think, oh, wow, I, I could have done differently? Yeah, I thought, you know, I could have done more for some people. Um, and that's when I really started spending the time with them. And when I found out, like, especially with the diabetics, when I talk to them and I find out from them how little education they've been getting from a lot of their mm. primary care doctors, it's really sad because when they come to me with foot problems, they've had diabetes for 10 or 15 or more years. Mm. And 
they still think that just because they don't put sugar in their coffee that they're doing a good job with their diet, mm. you know? Um, they don't realize that all the bread and the tortillas and all these other things that they're eating are also causing a lot of these problems with their sugar. And so it's a lot of education and a lot of talking to people one-on-one. Um, when it comes to the feet, Michelle, uh, you know, and looking at taking a more holistic view of the feet and I guess perhaps how that does affect the rest of the body, um, you know, what approach do you take with the feet in terms of, you know, people look at, you know, orthotics or not orthotics, you know, barefoot perhaps versus really structured shoes. Um, you know, some people look at more adjusting and mobilizing the feet and, and, you know, really working on rehab of the muscles. You know, there's a whole bunch of different approaches and I guess and, and aspects you can take into podiatry. What's your approach? Yeah, I actually, I do a little bit of all of that. So it really depends on the patient and what their goals are and what they're kind of suffering with at the time. So a lot of my patients are blue collar workers. So they're on their feet all day. They're construction Mm. workers and cleaning houses and cooks and restaurants and things like that. So they need their feet. They need to be on their feet. And so for a lot of those patients, it's really finding out what's, what's really causing their pain and what are the things that haven't been addressed so far? When I get into working with athletes, then it's a whole different story. Then we talk more about rehab and shoes and the orthotics and um, the physical therapy and exercises and stretching and all those things. And a lot of athletes obviously know about that, but maybe they're not doing um, – maybe there's some more suggestions that I could give them that they haven't considered yet. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was speaking to Damien just before he was he was just uh, on his way home from the airport and he wanted to ask me a couple of questions and so I told Damien that I was going to make sure that the question was as long as possible because Damien likes to ask really long questions and likes to stretch <laughs> them out so that he can get lots of time on air. So I'll okay. make this question as long as I possibly can. I think I've done an alright job so far. But he wanted to ask about adjustments of the foot because uh, lots of chiropractors and lots of podiatrists now are sort of really moving into adjusting and mobilizing the foot looking at the joint biomechanics um, and understanding how that affects not just the foot and not just the, I guess, the anatomy and, and the, uh, you know, the, the biology of the body, but also how it affects the neurology and, and how that can then have a, a flow-on effect back to the brain and, and to linking in with general health and overall health as well. So, um, you know, what's, what are you, what are your, what's your take on adjusting the feet and how that affects the whole body and the neurology? Yeah, I definitely think that that's a growing field right now. And a lot of people are studying that in in podiatry. And I have some dear friends that are very involved in that, in the teaching of that. So I do believe that that's a very important um, aspect of it. I have some patients that come in requesting it because maybe they've done some of their own research. So I do do it um, with certain patients. Again, it's case by case. And I think that there's a lot of value there. So if you know, if that's something that the patient needs or that the patient requests, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, nice. And how does that fit in with your reflexology practice? Because obviously one of them is, I guess, more looking at, you know, structure and neurology. And then reflexology is kind of taking a, a different tangent to it as well. But, but, at, but at the same time, still understanding that what we do to the feet can affect the whole rest of the body. So how do those two sort of dovetail in together for you? Exactly. And even when you study yoga and if you study Chinese medicine, there's a lot of talk um, and discussion about the energy and how everything's connected and you can follow the energy lines or the nadis from the foot all the way up into the central nervous system or vice versa. So 
Um, there is a lot there. And I, I do believe that a lot of um, Western trained doctors don't really don't really look at that, you know, at all. And I think there's a lot of value there. So it's definitely something that I look at, something that I study. And um, it's interesting because when you have a patient that is open to um, alternative medicine or Eastern medicine and you work with them in that way, you know, you it's almost 100% of the time that they feel something, that they feel some kind mm-hmm. of improvement. Um, you know, not every patient is wanting that type of service so again it's you know patient by patient yeah and the other question Damien had that he wanted me to ask you about was we're still seeing a movement with podiatrists as well with podiatrists adjusting the feet towards what Damien was calling restorative foot posture which was uh, you know taking a more long-term view of I guess uh, you know working on those joints and those joint biomechanics with the aim of getting the structure back to you know perhaps where it should be um, as opposed to you know using orthotics and that sort of stuff so you know starting to take a longer term care and and sort of more structured consistent care plans in terms of adjusting the feet we're seeing some some clinics come in Melbourne and in Adelaide I'm seeing it as well doing that Um, what's your take on that sort of approach yeah I think that that's a really good approach again for um, certain patients like athletes and runners and people that are I would say patients that are a little bit more knowledgeable about their anatomy and have tried mm. certain things already, they're, they seem to, seem to be really good candidates for that type of work. Um, what I've seen is, is for some of my patients who are, let's say, a cook in a restaurant and, you know, they just won't, don't want their feet to hurt and they're just here yeah. for, you know, quick relief. They're not really going to be open to that type of treatment. But I think it's a great thing for athletes and for um other patients that have been through some type of rehab before and they, they kind of already know a little bit about it. Yeah, so I guess it's like any sort of practice. You know, we see the same thing in chiropractic where, you know, some people really just want crisis care. You know, they, they actually just mm-hmm. want to get themselves out of pain. You know, other other people want what I would term maintenance, which is then, you know, doing enough to not get sore again, you know. And then other people right. want wellness, which is getting their body to as good as it possibly can be, getting optimal performance, whether they're an athlete or whether they're just, you know, a regular person who wants to get the best out of their body and the best out of their life. You know, we see those sort of three different types of people and almost three different for us in chiropractic at least three different sort of phases of care if people choose to go through it um, and it sounds like yeah. it's sort of a similar approach you're talking about mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about some of your your other practices so tell us about ayurveda because uh, you know some people listening to the call won't know a lot about uh, ayurveda michelle so um tell us about how you came across it and, and what you discovered that made you sort of fall in love with ayurveda uh, but also, you know, how that approach fits into your, your care of the people you, you see. Well, one of the things that I love about Ayurveda is, well, it's it's an ancient science. It comes from India. It's about 5,000 years old, and it's the oldest documented um, form of medicine and still practiced there um, today. And here in the United States, it's, it's not practiced that much, but it's um, – the cool thing about it is it's really about getting – things back into balance. That's, that's what it's all about is having everything back into balance. So believes that when we were born and when we were young, when we were all healthy, um, everything was in balance. And then as we get older, stresses and busy lives and things happen to us and, um, we get stressed and we we're running around and doing all this stuff quickly and we're, we get out of balance. And so it's all about prevention and this is where, um, we look at, you know, the whole person and, 
it focuses a lot on um, lifestyle, obviously, and on food and what we're putting into our bodies to to run optimal. And so it looks also at the the clock, speaking of the, the Ayurvedic clock, which is in rhythm with the circadian rhythms. And so it really looks at like eating at the right time of day, not just what we're eating, but when we're eating and going to sleep at the right time of day, not or the right time of the evening, I should say, not just that we need eight hours of sleep, but going to bed at the right hour and waking up at the right hour so that everything's in balance. Yeah, it's, it's so important to look that at all those sense. different... Yeah, that makes heaps of sense, Michelle. You know, whichever branch of medicine, I guess, you're looking at, whether it's holistic medicine, whether it's Ayurveda, whether it's mainstream medicine, you know, it's just really important to look at it from all those different angles. You know, one of my favorite uh, wellness experts, a guy from Canada by the name of Dr. James Chestnut, you know, he often talks about it being like a plant. And he says that, you know, if you give a plant water, it may or may not thrive. You know, if you give a plant sunlight, it may or may not thrive. You give it good soil and good quality nutrients, it may or may not thrive. But when you give it all those things at once, that's when you really see the results and things tend to, to thrive. So, it's, you know, it, it yeah. is important to look from all those different angles. Yeah, that's really important. And yeah, that's why I just love some of the Eastern medicines because it really looks at things from a different angle than we're used to looking at with Western medicine. Instead of just about treatments and crisis, it's more about prevention and overall health and wellness. Yeah, absolutely. It makes so much sense. So let's talk a bit about some of the other modalities that you use because it, it's great to have someone with such a breadth of knowledge that we can talk about all these different things. So what about acupressure? How does that fit into the picture? So acupressure is, um, is again, one of those things that I use with certain patients who are um, – a lot of times it's with athletes, but it, a lot of times it's with patients that are coming in for pain, for heel pain and pain in their, in their calves and things like that. So just showing them how to give themselves acupressure in the right spaces and mm. pressing in the right places so that they can go home and do it themselves. So one of the things that I like to do in working with these different types of modalities is to show people what they can do at home so they can really start kind of taking charge of their health and, um, you know, they can heal themselves in so many ways. They just don't really know how. So that's what I try to do with them. Yeah, so probably better off to do the acupressure rather than the acupuncture then if you're getting people to do it at home, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Just stick to the thumbs rather than the needles. That's probably a little bit safer. But, but it's yeah. based on the same sort of philosophy as acupuncture, isn't it? Looking at the meridians and looking at the chi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, are there any of those that you can tell us? Are there any of those that are like really uh, you know, favorites that you give to people that they can use all the time, like points they can use and put pressure on to get a result within their body? Or is it something they really need to go and see a practitioner for? I think it's best if we can, yeah, locate it with a practitioner. But one of the most common ones is, you know, in, in the heel, um, it's that kidney point. And so um, a lot of people know about that point. And so if they can find that, they can get a lot of relief from heel pain because heel pain is one of the most common things that I do see in the office. Okay. All right. So people can probably, uh, you know, go and see a practitioner. But if, they, if they're not going to do that, they might be able to Google and find the, uh, the kidney point on their foot and, yeah. and give that a go and see what happens, hey? Um, and then Reiki. So, so this is, um, you know, really moving from the, the very, you know, structural podiatry right through to the, the more esoteric stuff with Reiki. So how does that fit into your practice? And, and how do you find people respond to, you know, going to a podiatrist and, and doing something like Reiki? 
Yeah, it's a limited number of um, patients that are requesting that, but I do offer that as a service to them. And, um, you know, living in Southern California, we have a lot of patients that are open to that sort of thing. Um, It's pretty common here. I know in some parts it's probably not common at all. But, um, yeah, just explain to them, you know, what I can do with my hands, laying my hands on them or, or not laying my hands on them. It's still feeling that energy. And when they know about it, they've kind of heard about it before or had it done before. They're very open to having it done with their foot problems. Yeah. And once again, is that something that you then teach them how to do for themselves or is that something they just come in for? Um, usually they come in for that because I think the people that, you know, that know how to do it themselves, they kind of, already do it so Mm. yeah i just do it for them when they come in yeah okay so in terms of your podiatry then what are the most common issues you see you mentioned you know diabetes diabetes before obviously that's definitely on the rise but what are the most common issues you see of people coming in to see you in the practice yeah besides the diabetes it would definitely be heel pain because there's so many different types of um you know different reasons for that heel pain comes about it could be because of lack of exercise or too much exercise. It could be from being overweight, um, improper shoes, all these different things can lead to heel pain. So that's, excuse me, that's one of the most common ones. Yeah. Um, I also get a lot of children that come in, um, especially babies, early walkers who are having problems with their gait. So their Mm. parents bring them in. A lot of times the pediatricians will tell them, well, they'll grow out of it. And when they're two or three Mm. and it looks the same or worse, um, then they finally come in to see me. And then um, we can do some adjustments and show them how to stretch their hips and, you know, get those tight rotators to loosen up a little bit Mm. and um, work with them with some shoes and things like that. So that's another common one. And why do you think that's happening? Why do you think we're seeing more of that in kids, you know, the tight hip flexors, those sort of issues um, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, well, on the older kids, it has a lot to do with them sitting home playing video games, right? Mm. They're not active and they're sitting in certain positions, which add to the tightness. Um, but in little babies, a lot of times it is genetics. They're kind of been like that since they were born and they just need, you know, they need a little bit of help. But a lot of the pediatricians don't, um, don't address it. Yeah. And what's your take on shoes for kids? You know, I've spoken to some podiatrists who've said that, you know, ideally kids shouldn't be in shoes at all really until they're sort of four years old and give those feet and the muscles and the ligaments of the feet a chance to develop. Um, what, do you, what do you recommend to people in terms of their kids, in terms of helping them build healthy, strong feet and, and I guess bodies? Yeah, we've learned that over time with studies that it is better if they can be barefoot and build those muscles and and all that when they're little, when they're babies. Um, Of course, when they're outside, we want them in shoes to protect their feet. But um, I usually don't prescribe really rigid shoes and orthotics for children unless they're already having issues like Mm -hmm. these, um, you know, children that we were just talking about. So if they're healthy kids, then yeah, they should be out there running around, um, especially when they're at home without their shoes so they can get all of those um, proprioceptors and muscles and everything working and forming the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And 
I guess even for adults, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of people now who, uh, you know, who don't necessarily want to go down the orthotics route, but that are starting to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe putting a passive, uh, you know, structure under my foot to help support that, you know, whilst there's a time and a place for that, that maybe, you know, maybe there's other ways they can rehabilitate their feet and regain some of that structure and function without having to rely on something like an orthotic. Um, are you seeing that happen more and more in your practice now? Yeah, that's becoming more common. And that's when I really like to work with them with the yoga. So we can, we can really, um, do a lot with the stretching and the yoga when it comes to that issue. Yeah. And and what are the biggest issues you see there in terms of what needs to be stretched and what needs to be strengthened in order to help improve that? It's almost always going to be the hamstrings. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) has tight hamstrings. Um, you know, athletes have it, especially, um, from running and all that stuff. They just, you know, they get tight no matter how much stretching they do. So stretching that, stretching their plantar fascia, um, all of that in the posterior part of the leg. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. I'm certainly one with some quite tight hamstrings, Michelle. So (laughs) what yoga pose should I be looking at doing to improve my hamstrings? What's the best one to do? You know, the best and the easiest one is downward dog. Oh, I know that one. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I can do that one too. I'll tell you what. I did Yeah, uh, and, and when you do it over time, you know, your your heels will come all the way down because a lot of times when people start it, they're kind of up on their toes. You yeah, know? yeah. And then over time, the goal is to get the heel down. Yeah, well, I like that recommendation because I did uh, – I think it was either last year or the year before I did a, a bit of a trial of some uh, Bikram yoga and I did a month or so of Bikram yoga and uh, mm-hmm. there were quite a few of those poses that I couldn't do. So the, you've, you've mentioned one of the ones that I could do so that, that pleases <laughs> me. I can actually work on that. That'll be okay. Um, so yeah, so hamstrings are a big one. Is, is calf shortness uh, a big issue? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the Achilles is so tight so – um, you know, and it can cause problems if it stays like that for too long. They can start getting posterior heel spurs and the uh, on the upper back part of their calcaneus. So um, definitely work with them on stretching that. And there's a lot of stretches that runners have done for years, like the one where you lean on the wall and, and that. But there's a lot of other ones that they haven't been doing. So we try to give them like a good variety of stuff so that they can really, really stretch that out. Yeah. And what about if they're wanting to sort of try and regain some of that musculature under their foot, perhaps try and get some of that arch back into their foot? Uh, are there exercises you recommend? I remember when I was going through this, you know, we would put a tea towel down on the ground and try and pick it up with my toes and, and doing exercises like that to try and strengthen those muscles under the base of the foot. Um, are there some exercises there that you would recommend that could help people wanting to regain some of that, I guess, strength in their foot, but perhaps also mobility within their foot as well? Yeah, there's a lot they can do. They can do the one that you mentioned, picking things up with your toes. Um, some people use marbles. Some people use a towel. Um, there's also the toe raises where you have your heel kind of off the edge of a step, a stair, and then you, you lean up and you lean down. So you're really getting a good stretch and flexibility through all your toes and all the way up through your arch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good. So we're really looking at regaining some of that flexibility. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of like mobilizing the joints, I mean, you know, once again, people will talk about, you know, getting a tennis ball or a golf ball under the foot and really trying to get some, you know, mobility into those joints and I guess also some stretching into the fascia as well. Um, mm-hmm. is, is that useful? Do we need to be careful doing that if we overdo it? Um, I don't think you can overdo it with that one. I think that's a good one. 
Um, for people that have pain in the arch, they could also do it with a frozen water bottle where they're rolling it back and nice. forth. Um, so it's kind of like getting an ice massage and um, an exercise at the same time. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's a really common one. So I think that's a good one. Yeah, I found that one really beneficial for me because I'd spent 17 years in orthotics before I started sort of looking at taking more of a barefoot approach and, and regaining some of that function and, and strength in the muscles. So for me, that was, you know, really useful in that transition was my feet were just really jammed up. You know, the joints weren't functioning or moving very well. So really getting in there and getting some more mobility in there just with a tennis ball or a golf ball seemed to really help free up those joints that have been sort of stuck in one position with those orthotics for such a long period of time. Yeah, and then two two things that I would like to add to that that are more from the Ayurvedic perspective is one of them is um just making sure you're hydrated enough like drinking enough water during the day so that when you wake up in the morning your joints and your foot and your legs aren't feeling crackly Mm. so if you're feeling that then you're probably dehydrated and as we're sleeping for eight hours we're not getting any water all that time so Mm. we have to make sure we're getting enough during the day and then if you feel that in the morning, you know, drink a lot of water when you wake up. And then the second thing is when you're going to bed to do what's called abhyanga. In Ayurveda, it's called abhyanga, which is self-massage. Mm-hmm. And so what that is, is you're going to massage your feet, like in the arch and in the toes and pretty much the whole foot, but really focus on the toes, the heel and the arch. And you're going to use oil. So you want to do this right before you go to bed and really rub it in there and really get a good, good massage in there just like you would with the tennis ball, but you're going to be using your thumb and you want to use, um, there's different types of oil you can use, but one of the common ones is sesame oil. So you Mm. rub that really good into your foot and it really helps you sleep good too. You know, you know, Dr. Michelle, I'm, um, just, I don't like my feet being touched and just the thought of massaging my feet kind of makes me cringe and want to pull away. What does that mean about me? It's actually really common. Um, a lot of people say that. And so when they do say that, then we just have them start with doing it for like 30 seconds just to get the oil <laughs> on there. <laughs> and then once they start doing it, they usually find that they like the way it makes them feel after. So then it kind of changes their thoughts on it. All right. So it's not like a sign or symptom of some sort of major problem. It's just some people are no. more sensitive than others. Yeah. A little bit precious, perhaps. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're doing it on yourself, it's you're not as sensitive, you know, versus if someone else is trying to do it, then, you know, you could be too jumpy. Got it. All right. Thank you so much, <laughs> Dr. Michelle. It's been a great interview today. Uh, I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about you. So uh, they can find you on social media. Uh, Facebook is Yoga with Dr. Michelle. Um, on Twitter is Dr. the whole word, Michelle. Um, Instagram is Dr. as in dr michelle um and i can find your website drmichelle.com that's m-i-c-h-e-l-e.com um and they'll find your coaching program there body wisdom can you tell us a little bit about your coaching program michelle yeah it's a 10-week program where we work on healthy habits so this is really a good program for busy people entrepreneurs moms people that are really feeling kind of stressed out and exhausted at the end of the day and don't really know how to get their energy back again. So we start working with with them on different ways to improve their sleep and their fitness and their nutrition so that they can start feeling healthy again. Perfect. So people can go to drmichelle.com to find out all the information about the coaching program. So thanks for coming on, Michelle. It's been a great interview. Thanks for having me, Dr. Brett.
Absolute pleasure. So make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Guys, and tell us what your thoughts were about this episode. Share this podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us a comment. Until next week, begin creating wellness into our lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.